You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, On this episode, I am joined by Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC's head coach, did I say that right? Haven Zayed, welcome to the show, man. I really appreciate you hanging out with us. No problem. Enjoy, uh, or thank you for uh, obviously bringing me on. Yeah, it's, uh, so like I-, I was really excited to have you on the show just to actually ch- chat about because you've had an incredible career and obviously you were coming to the end of it. Um, but then you dropped the amazing news about your, your first head coach role. So how did the opportunity arise? Yeah, it was kind of left field. Um, so the last the last couple of years, I obviously was at um, USL League One team, Chattanooga Red Wolves, with Stephen Beattie, who I think was on the show there last yep. year. Um, and when I, I I I went there at the end of 2018, um, I agreed to go there. And I, I think I was, I was in Charlotte Independence at the time, and Jim McGuinness was coming in um, to coach Charlotte Independence. And they had offered me a two-year contract to stay on and play. But my old coach from India 11, Tim Hankinson, was taking over Chattanooga Red Wolves. And he said, listen, come into Chattanooga Red Wolves, play, and we'll transition you into coaching. And I was like, that's brilliant. I just finished my UEFA B. I was going to start my UEFA A. And I thought, like, what, a, what an opportunity to kind of just start. Because I, I, I still wanted to play. Absolutely loved playing, still wanted to play. But also kind of dip my feet into coaching. So that's, that's where it was the last couple of years. So when I left Chattanooga Red Wolves at the end of last year, I wasn't sure, to be honest, what path I was going to go. Um, I had just finished my UEFA A licence. Um, still wanted to play. Still had that love and kind of felt I could still play at this level. Um, but I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I, I talked to a lot of people about a lot of different roles, whether it was playing, whether it was um, player coach, um, general manager roles. Um, and then I guess I got in contact with... Um, Northern Colorado hailstorm, um, probably January time. And, uh, you know, we just kept in contact a couple of months later, another, another chat, um, which eventually led to me flying over um, and meeting the owner of the club and just, just having a proper chat about things and, and kind of, you know, finding out more about the club and what he, what kind of role he saw me, um, he, you know, where he saw me fit into the club. And, and that's where we kind of just sat down and, yeah, we, we agreed that it was probably a, it was something that he he, he saw me in a role um, as head coach, technical director. Um, I was, you know, I, I thought it was a fantastic opportunity and role to kind of get into a brand new clean slate um, franchise um, and, and build something. So that's kind of how it came out. Like I didn't expect it to, to kind of arise like that, but I'm um, absolutely delighted. Honestly, what an opportunity, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's not every day somebody hands you the keys to a new football club, right? So it's uh, it's 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 kind of nice. But and I've been looking up online there, like so. It seems like it's not just the football club. Like there's the big, um, I think I think it's in behind you there, like the, the football legends or the, so the future future, legend. leg, future legends. Like there's a big complex and hotel yeah. going in and everything like that. So like, how excited are you to get like a team in there, like in such an incredible facility. Yeah, it's going to be one of the best in 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 the country, I believe. Um, it's it's definitely going to be the best in USL League One. Probably anything I've seen in USL Championship is going to be up there or better than. Um, so look, the owner the owner's a great guy. His name is Jeff Gatowski, and basically his background is baseball. I mean, he is amongst other things, you know, other businesses that he has. But in terms of sport, his love is baseball. And he owned a minor league baseball team for the last 13 years that are affiliated with um, the Angels, the LA Angels. They're called the RMLs and they're based out of Utah. And um, I think like, you know, a passion of his and something that he always wanted to do was build a baseball complex um, that would, you know, obviously host the minor league team, but also allow anybody within the community, any kind of background to be able to play baseball. Um, and, uh, and and he had a few options to to, to build in, in a few different places. Um, and then look, Fort Collins came up, and um, you know what? A, Fort Collins is an unbelievable area um, of Colorado. Um, it's just grown; it's getting massive. 
um, Fort Collins, Windsor, Loveland, kind of that surrounding area. Um, the opportunity came up to build this complex there. And it, it, as I said, it started with just a baseball complex. Um, and then he decided that he was going to delve into multiple sports. Soccer and um, baseball are going to be the, the two main sports there. Um, they're going to have obviously we're going to have a professional men's and women's team that will the women's team will come in um, 2023 I believe um, and then the baseball team as well the minor league baseball team um, but there's going to be volleyball there's going to be lacrosse um, I mean they were even talking about um, what is it pickleball yeah <laughs> pickleball is, love it love it love it yeah it's getting bigger here in the states so they're going to have a, a pickleball um, area as well like they're they're, they're really, really open-minded, um, innovative owners, and they want to kind of delve into all the different kinds of sports as well. You know, the, the sports that maybe are not the most popular sports. So um, it's going to be a fantastic complex. I mean, there's going to be, I, I don't know how, multiple baseball fields, multiple soccer fields, a big full-size indoor soccer dome, uh, a baseball, indoor baseball dome as well. Um Obviously, you have your stadium. You have uh, there's going to be hotels and condos going up, restaurants. I mean, it's it's a whole community going up here. You know, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's as I said, like I was looking up the uh, the, the thing before we, we we came on, and I was like, um, I saw there was a big baseball thing. I think one of the owners is like an ex. Um, um, major, right, league, yeah. major league baseball player and stuff like that but like you were obviously part of uh, Chattanooga's inaugural season so you've kind of been there a little bit obviously you're, it's a different seat you're sitting in now but like how much of that experience can you take into what you're doing now and have you reached out to uh, Chattanooga for advice um, I probably will not be reaching out to Chattanooga for advice to be honest for <laughs> <laughs> reasons um, <laughs> don't go there okay so, um I know. Look, yeah. Um, I mean, that that experience will definitely stand me in in great stead because look, 2019 USL League One was was uh, was initiated and they began play then. And obviously, being involved in Chattanooga Rebels from the start, trying to build a whole new roster, technical staff, um, you know, getting training facilities and you know, um, loads of small issues like even like you know, players coming over, housing, visa issues, all this kind of stuff. Um, the first year you're always dealt a lot of issues, problems that you probably don't foresee at the start. Um, and we went through a few of them at Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, and I was fortunate enough again to be on that coaching staff to kind of see and be involved in all those kind of issues. So that will definitely stand to me, um, you know, and, and being involved in League One since the beginning as well. I know the standard and, and, and kind of what the level of play is. And I do believe I know what, it takes to be successful in this league. Um, I know the players inside out and the teams inside out and the other coaches. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's going to definitely stand to me. Um, and I'll, I'll learn from those experiences and I'll take some of them on, you know, um, and I'm joking. Like there's a couple of, you know, a couple of people from Chattanooga that I'm still very familiar with, um, you know, and, and they reached out and congratulated me. So um, no, it's all good there. But um, <laughs> uh, I know it, I, I feel like, I genuinely like at 100% confident saying like, I believe this is like the perfect role for me. Like right now, I think it's absolutely a perfect role for me to step in. If it was a USL championship team, I would have loved the opportunity, but I, w- I don't know. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have been as confident in terms of saying like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be successful and do this and do that. Um, I think this is the perfect role. Absolute perfect role for me. Yeah. It's great. It's great to see like, uh, like how happy you can see already like in, when you're talking about it, how pumped you pumped up your effort and stuff like that like so so like i mean like obviously uh mr bd as you mentioned was on the show and uh, he's back in ireland playing with cork and doing his thing but did you have any offers yourself to keep playing or did you like just come to the decision you know like uh, like i know players hit that wall sometimes when it's just like you know you, you know it's time um like yeah. did you have any offers yourself to keep going I did, and I spoke to multiple teams. Um, I wanted to stay in the States. I didn't want to go back home. Um, so I, I wasn't entertaining any kind of, um, you know, talks with any other teams from any other countries except for the States because I wanted to stay here. I do really enjoy it here. I love it here. Um, so I talked to a couple of teams about staying on. And again, you know, player coaching roles and that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, but no, ultimately, I... I 
there was two roles that um, I felt um, I may be offered. One was this. I wasn't sure, um, you know, nothing was guaranteed. And, um, I, you know, but I, I had kind of hopes that something was going to materialize here. This is what I wanted. There was another role that I was offered. Um, and it was, again, not playing. It was going to be um, a kind of like a technical director role within a youth club. Um, and they also had a, a semi-professional senior team. Um, and that was appealing as well. Um, like I love playing and I still wanted to play, but for me to continue playing, I needed to be like the teams I talked to about playing were just, they weren't like, they were okay teams. They weren't great. They were like, they weren't going to challenge. They were mid table to bottom table teams. Um, you know, and, and they also saw me, I mean, look nowadays, uh, which kind of, it gets to me a little bit, um, ageism, you know, a lot of teams yeah. in age and they don't really know and see and think, you know, how fit are you? And are you like, you know, are you as fit as, you know, I'm 37 years of age. Can I do it? Am I as fit as a 25 year old, 26 year old, 24 year old? Well, I mean, I, I don't think age has anything to do with it. Um, I mean, you're either as fit as a 24 year old or you're not. Um, I mean, there's 40 year olds, 45 year olds that are extremely fit, um, you know, I, I don't believe in that. Um, and I think people last year at the top level have proved it, like the likes of, you know, I mean, he's at the top, top level, but like, you know, Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic, I mean, yeah, they're the top level. They're not the same, you know, they're not our level, but they're doing it at that level. They're still doing it at that world-class level. Um, and, and they're 35 and 37 or 38, respectively. I think actually Ibrahimovic is even a little bit older than that. Yeah, I think he's 39, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean... So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I always felt I was, I kept myself in good nick and, and I was fit enough and, and I could score goals um, at the level that I am at right now. Um, but yeah, you know, clubs didn't want to kind of deal with kind of older players. And then they talk to you and say, yeah, we'd like to get you in and you could be like a, an impact sub, you know. And like in fairness, I've never been an impact sub in my life. Um, and it's not something that I kind of, that, like that's not motivating to me. Like um, I, wanna, I wanted to go... I wanted to play on, but I wanted to play on um, if it was the right opportunity. Um, and that would have been either a club challenging for a title because I still want to win um, or else somewhere where I'm going to play week in, week out and score goals. Um, and, and the offers that I had were not that. So, um, so I, 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 um, I knew anyway that like, I wanted to transition into coaching. Um, and that's what I'd done for the last couple of years. And if the role had, had come up... Um, I was going to take it. It's just, I mean, everyone says that all my mates who've gone into coaching and have retired, you know, years earlier than me, they said like, you're never going to retire, Eamon. Like, you just love it. Like, you just need like, me. <laughs> here's me doing my coaching licenses and, and still talking about playing because um, I still have that love of playing. And I just, I, I never, I honestly, I, if I could have, I would have played until I was 50 years of age. I just didn't want to stop. Honestly, like, I didn't want to stop. Like, I love playing too much. Um, but, um, but no, this is, I mean, this is a fantastic role to kind of, I mean, this definitely eases off the, you know, any kind of, um, you know, real, real feeling that I had about stopping playing. This well, is perfect. You could have been like that guy in Japan, was he like 55, 56? He's still, uh, he's still going strong. So, but I mean, like there's some team, uh, there's some team in Windsor in Colorado that's going to get a, a good player on a Thursday night in their five-a-side team or something like that, absolutely, right? So. yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But but it's like I go back to the ageism thing. Like like to me that it doesn't make much sense in in that like if you're fit, obviously like the other players around you are gonna like learn a lot from you because it like it, you mightn't have the extra yard of pace anymore because obviously as you get older you kind of lose that kind of stuff. But you know where to go. You know where to where like your experience like teaches you when you drop off a defender, when to make that run. You know what I mean? Like so I don't understand like why somebody wouldn't want you to be in there like like being a mentor to like the kids that are coming through like it's crazy i honestly i think it's lazy recruiting i think um i think it's lazy i think a coach just looks at an age and and just straight away goes now you know and has a pre um preconception of what that player is going to be like physically which i don't agree with i think if you're going to do it do it right so you know look at the player look at like let's say let's take ibrahimovic for instance right um I mean, I know it's a high level, but let's just take him for instance. Like, what was his attributes growing up? Like, what, what, what made him the player that he was? Um, 
like he was a physically big guy, like, but he wasn't, he never relied on, on pace. He wasn't slow, but he never relied on pace. His, his best part of it, he was a good finisher, a great finisher, um, great intelligence. Um, and again, target man, like he didn't lose that as he, as he got older, you know, he still yeah. had those qualities. Um, and like, you need to look at a player and if, if you have a player and his main attributes growing up and his biggest asset was pace, well, all right, well then fair enough. If he's a little bit older, he might lose that yard. But like, if you, you know, you can look at loads of examples, like a, a, a Teddy Sheridan, um, who again played on for years and years. Like again, his, his greatest attributes was his, how clever he was, how smart he was. Um, you know, so I think you need to look at the player and the individual, like taking my, me, for example, like I never relied on pace. I wasn't, I wasn't going to outrun a defender. I, I never had that, you know, when I was, when I was playing, even when I was, as I said, 23, 24, like mine was more like um, just cl- clever movement and finishing. Um, I guess they were my two main attributes and a target man. I mean, I still had that. I didn't lose that. Um, if anything, I felt like I got clever, more clever as I got older. Um, so I don't know. I think if you're going to recruit somebody that's slightly older, if you want, you know, um, look at what his attributes were when he was five years younger. Um, There's certain attributes that you don't, you don't lose, you know? So um, that, that pisses me off big time when, when, when people just say, they look at somebody and just go, he's he's too old. And, you know, you can see all, you can see all the, uh, Players over 36 in the USL now filling out their CVs to send over to you. <laughs> you'll be getting a phone call from Beat and you'll get a phone call from Richie Ryan. So, uh... <laughs> Do you know what? Take Richie Ryan, for example. I mean, he's, he's flying. El Paso, at the moment, are the best team in the USL Championship. Yep. And Richie is anchoring that. Like, Richie's, oh, he's 35, is he? At, uh, 30, 36 I think he is. Yeah, he okay. set up. He set up their goal. Their went their equalizer tonight. He took the corner. It was like the ninety six I mean, minute. Or something like that. I've watched him this year. He's playing as good as he ever has. Yeah. I mean, Benjamin Button over there in El Paso. <laughs> 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 like, you know? I mean, and, and and he's he's number six midfield role. I mean, you don't see it. like he's so smart. Like I watched it. He's not getting overrun because he's smart. He knows where to be. You know, um, where, where like and he's. Like he's just a, he's a great example, you know, of, of somebody who never relied. He was not a pacey guy. He never was. He was just clever, and he still has that, you know. Yeah, he, he's a joy to watch. I, I really enjoy watching him. So, like, I'm sure you've been kind of keeping your eye on what's happening in Irish football. So, uh, how impressed have you been with the Irish team's uh, performance in Europe this season? It's been a, a yeah. bumper year. Yeah, they've done really well. Uh, like, really, really well. Um, I mean, Bows were really unlucky the other night. Uh, Could have. Could have, should have brought it to extra time, and and who knows after that. Uh, in fairness, they were playing against a very good team as well, but they were that terrific run. Um, you know, Dundalk as well. I mean, I feel like they should have beaten Vitesse, 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 however you pronounce them. I think I feel like they should have beaten them after you know after that result away from home, and they had the chances as well in the game to to, to beat them. So I'd say they felt you know they could have done a little bit better. Um, and then look, Shamrock Rovers on to the next stage. Um, is it Flora Talon they're playing? Yeah, um, so they have a pretty decent chance of like yeah. going on. Like, I mean, like, like that, like, don't take anything for granted, obviously, but I mean, that kind of gives them a, a really good chance. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, they're as good as the team they're facing, um, and they have a really good team and squad. And, and Stephen Bradley has them, they're well prepared and set up to play against any team in Europe and, and to go out and get a result. Um, I mean, they have good players all over the park, so uh, no, I mean, it's, I feel like. You know, when I was playing in Europe years and years ago, um, you know, with Drogheda United and Sport Fingal, and um, I remember the one thing that always stood out to me was um, the strength and conditioning and the physical shape of the teams that we played against. Like, I always felt like we were, we were, you know, we could play, we could play ball, and we were technically we were we were decent, and we we were as good as some of the teams we played against. But the one thing that always stood out to me was just their their conditioning, their shape. They were like stronger and faster than us. I never forget, I was playing one-on-one, or I thought it was. We played against Dynamo Kiev out there, and the ball over the top, and here's me running one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And next thing, the centre defender just out of nowhere, just, you know, straight past me, boom, and just takes the ball off me. And I remember going, like, what? Like, what happened there? Like, <laughs> one-on-one. And, I mean, he's just made me look like a mug. Um, and, and I remember I was just thinking, like, the physical shape of these guys are just... 
And I do think, I think over the last, um, I think five to 10 years, definitely over the last five years, um, the, the conditioning has gotten so much better in Ireland. There's been a big emphasis on, on obviously the full, um, even the, the teams that maybe aren't as full-time, they really have done really, really well to kind of close that gap um, in terms of strength, conditioning and fitness. Um, and now you see it. Now, now, now you see like the likes of Shamrock Rovers and stuff, not getting overpowered, not getting physically dominated. They can go head to head with the teams, you know? I think that's a big, big thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I also think that myself that, like, uh, the, the coaching's changed. Uh, I think that, like, back back when you were playing and stuff like that, like, almost like the coaches were treating them as if it was just a normal game in the, the yeah. League of Ireland. Whereas I think now, like, they're trying to play to their strengths. And, like, I mean, even, like, like last year against AC Milan when uh, Shamrock Rovers were playing at home, like, they didn't get overrun because I, th- I think that they set themselves up into a system that didn't yeah. allow... AC Milan to like get in behind them and stuff like that. So like, did you think as well, like looking at it as well, did you, did you think that the coaching's like moved on? Cause I mean, like we all want the League of Ireland to be successful. And I think that Europe's where it starts, I think so. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I think the tools are out there for coaches to get better. Um, and there are like, I mean, years ago it was, um, and there's some very good coaches in the league, you know, years ago and there's, you know, um, but it was kind of old school mentality. Um, and they had, you know, let's say, you know, done the coaching qualifications years and years ago and, and things were just a little bit different. Um, I think now yeah, you do have the likes of, as I said, Stephen Bradley and um, obviously Vinnie Perth, who's gone back there, um, Rory Higgins and Keith Long, um, helped by Trevor Crawley. Um, you do have, you do have coaches that I do feel are just that little bit um, more prepared and, um, and, and, and have that, I don't know, just, I'm not going to say the modern day coach, but they, I think they, they, they are able to kind of um, sit back, analyze the teams that they're playing against um, and, and not just go like, you know, let, you know, I wouldn't say blindsided into games and, 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 but I do just feel like that they do have that little bit better um, know-how and knowledge and the coaching has definitely got better. I mean, just in the courses that I've done there over the last five years, the FAI, um, uh, they honestly have some unbelievable coaches, um, some fantastic coaches, and you see it in the in the underage sides, you know, um, Jason Donahue and Tom Mowen and um, I mean, there's loads of them, um, but they've done really well. Like Colly O'Brien, like it, the coaching has definitely got stronger and better, um, and they're they're more, um, as I said, they're they're just better equipped to deal with teams that they face against, you know. So, so what's what's next? Like you're you got your way for a license, your pro license next, right? So, That's right. so, so what's that going to entail then? From where you, where you are now to to finish off your your badges? Oh, do you know what? I'll, I'll I definitely want to do the pro license, but I'm going to see. I'll, I'll give it a few years. I'm not going to just jump into it straight away. Um, I tell you, I wouldn't mind doing my USA just to kind of compare it and and just to kind of see what it's like in, in, in terms of the US qualification qualifications. Um, so I might do that before I do my UEFA Pro. Um, it's definitely something I want to do. Um, and uh, I think, you know, to I do want to go, I mean, look, I'm starting off in, in you know, in, in coaching and, and my first head coaching role. I do want to go. I've, like, as, like, as I was a player, the same as I was as a player, like I have aspirations to go on and, and do really well. Um, I do. I want to win. I want to succeed. I want to go as far as I can go. Um, and that's the top, top level. I don't want to just go, all right, well, I just want to be, you know, coach whatever level. Um, so I do want to get my pro license. Um, but I'll, I'll give it a couple of years, um, to be honest, before I do that. So, so you're obviously like seeing a lot of what's happening in the States firsthand because you're a player and now you're going to become a head coach. So like the States just won the Gold Cup. They beat Mexico, their big rivals. We're seeing so many of their young players move to Europe. Like Sammy Vines from Colorado has just moved yeah. to, uh, to, to Antwerp. So like in the time you've been there, I know you've only been there like five years or so, but like what is it about the, the setups that they have there that is producing this talent, like it's, it's, it's fantastic. Like, and I can honestly say like in 10 years, I can see the States being like one of the world powers in, in, in like men's football. So like, what is it about the setups there at the clubs that's bringing these kids in? Um, Well, to be honest, I think, I think the biggest thing is for me is that the amount of kids that are playing now, like in the state, it's just getting, I mean, more and more and more. Like I actually just had this discussion with somebody there the other day. We were talking about the, 
the different sports here in the States, baseball, American football, basketball, and um, they felt, and I'm not disagreeing that in terms of um, kids, um, that there's more kids playing soccer than any other sport in the States. Um, and, I, and I remember when I came over six years ago to 2016 to Indianapolis, Indy, um, I remember like soccer was, I mean, it was, it was big um, or so it seemed, I don't know how big it was, but uh, over that year to two years, I remember seeing how bigger it got in Indy. Um, um, and that was obvious to see for me just being in Indiana. And I wasn't sure what it was like everywhere else in the States. Um, but then obviously moving on from to Charlotte and to Tennessee and just tr- getting involved in coaching in, in, in some of these youth soccer teams and clubs around those States that I was at. Um, the amount of ki- I was blown away with the amount of kids that was playing. I didn't expect there to be so many kids um, signing up and playing. Um, and there's just thousands and thousands. And I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the reason why um, there's more and more kids playing soccer now than there was, say, five years ago, 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't know that made, you know, more kids um, sign up and play, but it's great for the sport. And um, I do think, I agree with you. I do think, you know, what, we, 2021, you have the, the World Cup coming to the States in 2026. Um, I, do, I do think that, and in, in you're right, in five to 10 years, it's it, like the United States possibly could be a powerhouse because they're going to produce so many of these young kids. Um, like all these young kids that are playing right now, I mean, just think of the amount of them that are going to come through in five to 10 years. Um, it's like, I mean, I don't know what the coaching is like. I do think, I do think coaching in the States, uh, the licenses has gotten better as well. So I'm told, um, you know, the courses have gotten better. Um, I remember years ago, people didn't really have anything like they weren't saying fantastic things about the licenses over here um, for whatever reason. But I do think that they've gotten stronger. Um, so, uh, so that's only, you know, that's only going to help as well in terms of the coaching that the kids are getting. Um, but I do remember, um, I do remember reading something on um, Germany years ago when they had their golden run. I think they went through a lull of just, eh, they weren't great or whatever it was, but they, they were putting a lot of money into, into young kids coming through. And they said, look, wait, you'll see five to 10 years. You'll see what, what, what we have then. And, um, and then, yeah, they, they, they start producing players and they still are producing players and, and, and they obviously went on and, and won a World Cup and, and other things. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see that. I do, one thing that I find um, interesting, you mentioned Sammy Vines, who's a left back, and I played with him um, in Charlotte, Independence, actually. Great guy, great kid, um, great potential, and he's done really well um, in Colorado Rapids. Um, but it's, it's mad because there seems to be like um, a lot of really, really strong fullbacks coming out of the States. Um, and, and going over to Europe. And it seems to be, that seems to be the position, fullbacks. And I don't know why it's, it's concentrated on the fullbacks that are going over and doing really well. Um, I think, I mean, one thing that, when I'm thinking of an American soccer player, one thing that they have, they have athleticism. Um, and technically they are as efficient as, as anywhere else. I, I think the one thing that they lack is, um, is football IQ, football intelligence. Um, I think that is the one aspect of the game that they kind of lack and they need to get better at. Um, and I don't know if I was thinking, like, is it like fullback, right? You have your athleticism, which you need to get up and down and, and, and technically they're good. I don't know. Is it a position that like coaches just feel that I can, I can, I can coach a fullback easier than I can a midfielder or a forward or a defender. I don't know, but it's something that I've noticed that it seems to be in that fullback area that, the Americans are, are thriving right now. I, I think I think I think you're right. I think it's like uh, like the athletic, the athletic size of it, like the, the the conditioning, as you as you were talking about before. Like the schools, like they if if you're part of any kind of athletic program, especially if they're going through the colleges in the states, like the facilities are amazing. So yeah. I think that's a big part, of it. especially like the way the modern game is. You're you're not a fullback anymore. You're a wingback. So like you're you're just attacking. And I mean, a lot of the time it's being able to just like knock the ball past your defender and just yeah. run your arse off. I mean, like like here in Canada, Alfonso Davis is like the, the, the big example, you know, like, I mean, he's a left back, but he can, he's a left winger yeah. too. I think that a lot of that is for him too. He's just 
a really athletic kind of guy and he's just kind of fit into uh into that position really really well so, so like I think myself, like looking at this, the states too. The USL has played a big part in it because, like as you said in Indy, like I mean, before the franchise came along, like there was not really much for kids to see, like to go see a professional game or anything like that. And I, I think that's a big part. And I think we'll probably see like that part of Colorado kids will start to get interested in as well because their families being them out with a day out on a Saturday. It's not an expensive day out. Like if you go to the NHL or to an MLS game, it's expensive. You go to the USL, yeah. you're not going to pay as much, but I know there's talk of the MLS teams breaking off again and starting up their own reserve league. How much yeah. do you think? How much do you think that will hurt the USL going forward? Well, firstly, I agree. USL is is definitely helped progress soccer in the states. I think it's only. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a fantastic organization. Um, you know, and, and it's it's definitely definitely helped develop um, soccer and players. Um, when I first came over, it was the NASL. Uh, USL was around, but NESL was a division two. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed playing in the league and it was a, it was a historic league, but, you know, they, they weren't running it. Um, it was run quite badly. Uh, I, I, look- I, I, I always felt it was kind of like almost a retirement league. You know, like you had like Raul playing there or Marcus, which is great for people to get out and see, but you're not getting much from it. You know what I mean? Like you're getting buns on seats, but you know, you're not getting much on it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, it wasn't a league for, for kind of youngsters to break into um, and excel and, 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 and it just wasn't set up that way. Um, so, so I think the USL have, have done really, really well with obviously growing the brand. I mean, the USL championship, there's, I don't know, 30 odd, 38 teams or something like that. Um, now I think they've done really well, really clever to bring in USL league one, um, and again, they're they're only growing. That that's only going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, I mean, I've heard loads of different teams that want to come and join USL League One, and I think it's a fantastic. I think for me, USL League One is the most exciting league in the whole states because it's 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 definitely one. It's definitely I think the fastest growing league in terms of people wanting to come on leagues, want the teams want to come on. But it's a fantastic kind of league for that young player. And I think they didn't have that that young player that's come out of college not ready for the MLS and to kind of bridge that gap. Like, where do I go? Where, like, I want to play professional soccer. I want to kind of dip my feet in there and, and, and get that experience to go on. Um, Cause it's the only way, like, I mean, it's the only way for, for, for kids to, to grow and develop and get better. Cause some kids are late developers and they just are not ready to go straight into an MLS team or, you know, the MLS team have other players that they're competing against and, they need you need you have to play professional soccer. Like you have to get senior games in. So I think it's I think it's a fantastic league that will allow you'll probably see more and more probably youngsters, whether they're like they break onto the US national team or other MLS teams or go over to Europe. And if you look at their where did they come from, I'd say you'll see a lot of youngsters that like previous club, a team that was in the USL League One. Um because USL Championship, they have that as well in the USL Championship, but it's also it's a league for um, for all ages, and, and there's a lot of teams that still want to compete and win. Um, whereas I feel like that USL League One is definitely more look. Um, they look at kind of that younger player um, still want to win. Don't get me wrong; I, I definitely want 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 to win here. <laughs> here, absolutely. But I, that development of the young player as well is important. So I think the USL have done really, really well. Um, and again, it's only growing. Um, I do believe that they're going to have um, a women's um, professional league as well in the next year or two, which Amazing. again will only be fantastic for women's because women's soccer is the biggest uh, over here in the States is the biggest in the world. Um, so again, that's going to be unbelievable. Um, MLS, you, your question, MLS, yeah, they, they're going to have a reserve league, uh, MLS next it's called. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have my doubts about that because it is going to be a, a, an under 23 league. You know, it, it brings me back to when I think about um, when I think about the Premiership um, over in England, um, and they have a, a, a reserve league, and um, like it just wasn't the same. Like it wasn't like you, you just didn't get that competitive edge that you get in in professional senior football. So I remember like a lot of teams would rather their players go out on loan to whether it's a League One, League Two championship team in England to get real experience, real professional experience before they came back. Because I mean, I've played in these reserve leagues over in England and they're like, it's just like a training game. It's not really competitive. Um, so 
I would worry about that under 23 league for the MLS. Is it going to be just like a training game between two under 23 teams? Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's gonna. I I don't think it's gonna have an impact on um, on, on USL at all. Um, you may lose a few teams. You may lose a few MLS two teams um, from USL. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think for the USL to to continue growing, um, I think I don't know. I think they're better off with just having independent teams. Um, you know, and, and just going going themselves. I, I totally agree with you. I think, uh, like, if anybody's ever watched uh, a USL team playing against, like, one of these two teams, like, mm-hmm. the, when they're playing away from home, there's never anybody in the stands because, like, the fans aren't going to go to watch those unless it's a big player coming back from injury or something like that. So it's like, it just feels like not a great environment for, if you're playing for the reserve team, it's, you don't really care because you're just trying to get up to the MLS team. But if you're playing, like, if it's, Chad Nuga or Ford Madison, whoever who's playing against the, like the, the, these guys, it's like I've watched them on YouTube and it's just dead. Like, like you know, when you watch USL teams, like I mean, if you ever like, I've watched a couple of games with Louisville, I've watched a couple of games with uh, El Paso and Ford yeah. Madison and, and all that kind of stuff. The the atmosphere is amazing. It's like it looks so much fun. It's like it's it, like the, they all have their own supporters groups. Everybody's rolling behind it, and then you come along, and then that same team plays in an empty. MLS stadium and it just looks yeah and, and and yeah and look there's an emphasis on like you ask me what's the most important thing what's the emphasis on it's on the results I want to win um, and then there's other things that come along the way performance and all that kind of stuff when you ask those um, an MLS 2 side what's the most important thing it's performance it's trying to um, you know win lose or draw they don't really they don't they don't care it's 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 on the performance to individual performance and trying to get that kid um, to get into that MLS team um so that's so it becomes like as i said not as competitive um you know the game just doesn't become as competitive um so yeah i agree and and you're right i mean look some of these some of these stadiums are fantastic i mean last year in, in chattanooga you know you go out to whether it's new england revolution or whatever and i mean great stadiums when you play against some of these two teams but you're right they're empty there's nobody there so you kind of, you, you arrive and you're like, this is great. Ah, oh, look at this. And everybody's on their phone taking, you know, little videos of, of the stadium. And um, and then uh, as soon as the ball, you know, kicks off, that, that's kind of lost. It's like, well, it's kind of like, there's no atmosphere here. It's dead. Give me like, you know, give me, give me that Ford Madison Stadium or give me like a, a, a Mike Carroll Stadium where Indian where Indy 11 play, you know, it doesn't look great, but the atmosphere is fantastic, you know? And that's as a player, like I mean, like like surely, like it's it's better for you to be playing in front of a crowd because that's going to get your game ready too, right? I mean, like you're, when you're making mistakes or whatever, and you've got ho- yeah. like home fans on your back and all that kind of stuff, that's part of your learning curve. And when you're, as you said, like in a forty thousand seat stadium, and you can hear the referees whistle echoing around, it's just it just looks flat and dead. So yeah, I, I really hope that it's not the death knell for. The USL, because like I mean, there's some fantastic franchises, and I really hope that like I, I uh, trust. I think I think it'll I think it'll actually only help it. I do. I think it'll only help it. And it'll grow even more. Um, when and and it'll be more competitive and more enjoyable when it's just independent teams. I genuinely believe that. Oh, I really hope so. I really hope so. And the great thing for me is like here in Canada, I can watch all the games on YouTube, so I don't have to pay anything. I can just watch them away, and there's. It's- there's quite a good few Irish lads playing down there too. Like I've had quite a few on the show and it's, it's, it's great to uh, see Irish players like do something different. Like that, this is one of my questions I had for you. Like, and I'm sure you're asked this a million times, but you've never, you've never been afraid to to travel, you know? Like, I mean, you were player of the year at Derry. Like, I mean, like, so you should, you should have had a million offers from Ireland or even in England or Scotland or whatever like that, but yet you chose to go to Iran. So, you know what I mean? So like, what, what, what is it? Is it, are you an adventurer at heart or is it just like they were offering you so much money you couldn't turn it down? Like, what, how did I, like, that's, it's just, it just always kind of puzzled me why you would make that move. Um, well, unfortunately it wasn't the, the second one. Um, the, <laughs> um, nah, look, I, I think, um, I can I can actually probably trace it back to um, a couple of things. So um, in two thousand and eight, right, we uh, when I was playing for Drogheda United, Drogheda United at the end of the year went into administration, and you know, like anybody else, naturally I was thinking, right, where's next? Uh, I talked to a couple of teams back home, St. Pat's, 
Um, I think I was close to signing for St. Pat's under Johnny McDonnell. Um, but I remember there was a couple of players on my team, a guy called Joe Hendricks, um, Jonathan Tamboras, Adam Hughes, two Australian guys, um, Faz Kadosevich. And I remember one day they were chatting away to themselves and, and, and I went over and sat beside them and they said that they were going on trial to, um, the four of them were going over to Azerbaijan. And I was like, Azerbaijan, like what? Like, firstly, how, how, are you, how are you even getting over to Azerbaijan? And they said, look, you know, obviously Drogheda United were coming towards the end of the contract and administration. So we all got in touch with um, agents um, from all over the world. And um, yeah, they, they said, look, they're looking for players in Azerbaijan. Two of them, um, two, where, two of them are going somewhere else. So I said, all right, like, yeah, put me in touch with the agent. So they put me in touch with the agent. Um, the agent got back to me and said, all right, well, look, I can, I can send you to um, South Korea, which I went over um, with um, Adam Hughes on trial. Um, that was a funny one. Jesus, that was a funny story. Um, <laughs> no, I thought I was making, I thought I was in for the money then. I went, I went over to South Korea real quick. I went over there for the week and um, we played the first game and we won 6-2. I scored two. Um, Adam Hughes, um, who was playing midfield at the time, had a great game as well. So, um, you know, we trained the next day. Everything was fantastic. They had a representative come over to the hotel and they were like, you know, um, listen, guys, you know, you've done really well in the game the other day and we have one more game in the weekend, but... You know, I mean, this is looking, it looks like the, the, the coaches and the team really want you. Um, but like, you know, we haven't discussed uh, salary expectations. So I was like, all right, yeah. Um, I, I hadn't got a clue. So Korea, I was like, I haven't got a clue what money's like over there. So me and John Tamworth are sitting there talking to his agents. And he says, um, he says, look, oh, I really apologize. You know, our team are not one of the biggest teams in South Korea. And, you know, I feel like almost, uh, almost embarrassed to tell you like what we can offer and stuff like that. And we're like, well, look, just go ahead. Like what? What can you offer us? And uh, and he sits down. And he goes, "Okay, well, listen, I can give you four hundred thousand for one year." And I'm there, like pinching Adam, like going four hundred thousand, like what? And he's like, "Yeah, and and we'll we'll we'll, we'll try and make a fifty thousand signing on fee." And I'm going, like, I mean, look, we just came from Drogheda, and money's not like that at all. And I'm there pinching, him going, "This is like what?" So me and him are trying to play a cool, but mm, yeah, I mean, it's not bad, like. You know, and he's like, look, if you do well here, we can get you to one of the bigger teams and you can make even more money and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, oh, all right, happy days. So um, we let, anyway, he left and me and him were like absolutely buzzing going, oh my God, like what, this is great. Um, and uh, anyway, we went down and uh, the game we played on Saturday, um, I mean, I'll never forget it. We arrived and I thought we were playing like against another local team. But it ended up being like just a like a, a, a training game between ourselves. Um, and I mean, they didn't even have enough players to make up the, the team. So like, you know, you had the equipment manager playing right back. You had, um, honestly, you had like the, 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 the two assistant coaches, one playing at forward, one playing centre back. And I, that kind of just threw me off my like, because I was focused for a game. And it kind of threw me off. I was thinking, what's going on here? Um, and, uh, and I remember like, Adam Hughes came off injured after about 20 minutes. So that was the end of his chances. Um, they weren't going to sign him after that. Um, and then I think because I was in that frame of mind, um, and I was inexperienced um, as well. Um, you know, I got, I, mean, I don't know how many one-on-ones I got, but like when I'm playing against the, in a real game, right? Like I'm hundred percent focused. Um, and I, you know, and those chances, I like to think that I'll take most of them. Um, but because it was like a training game, and as I said, they had the equipment manager playing, the assistant coaches playing. Like when I got those one-on-one chances, I kind of almost dealt with them as if it was like a, a bit of a, a joke. Um, and I, mi- I missed about six of them. Um, I, I remember like after about 60 minutes, like I was having such a stinker, I walked off myself. And I remember that the coach going, Eamon, where are you going? And I said, ah, honestly, I've had enough. And I knew, I knew I, I had lost out on the contract. I was playing crap. Honestly, I was playing terrible. Like, I mean, honestly, no chance. I mean, I mean, I was never going to get offered that contract. Um, but yeah. Um, I could just imagine you like doing like the uh, the Balotelli thing against the Galaxy. Do you remember like he just? Uh, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like, oh, he was doing that. That's the kind of stuff I was doing. 
And I knew, like, and I, like even after I'd done it, I like I'd, I'd be talking to myself, going, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" There's another uh, fifty grand gone. There's another fifty grand. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I can tell you what I went back and signed for support bingo for. <laughs> I mean, uh, but um, no, that was kind of that caught my 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 mind kind of thinking, like, all right, well, hold on, there's more to to soccer than just Ireland and England. And I remember that that opened my mind up, and um. I think a year later, 2010, the Libyan national team asked me to come over and play. And, uh, and I remember going over to, to Libya um, and my mind was blown with the support that, that, that the, the soccer team got over there. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and it was those two experiences that kind of said, you know what, well, hold on, Eamon, like there's, there's so much more soccer out there, like not just Ireland, England, um, you know, and, and, if I ever got the chance, I said, you know what, why not go experience it? Even if it's just for six months, why not? Just go and live it. And and because I mean, you know, playing back in Ireland for so many years, um, I was fortunate enough to to win everything I wanted to win. I think I won every single trophy there, an individual trophy in Ireland. Um, not bragging at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like I, I did like I mean, my, my last year at Derry, uh, I wanted to like every like every like the League Cup which wasn't the biggest cup. I wanted to win that because I hadn't won that yet. Um, I wanted to, uh, I didn't want to win player of the year. Like, I mean, of course I did, but I hadn't set that goal out. But I definitely wanted to be top goal scorer in the league. And uh, at the end of the year, I, I got all that. And when Iran offered me a deal, um, and I did, I had other um, offers. Stephen Kenny was going to Shamrock Rovers. He talked to me about that. Um, I talked to Paul Cook about going to Sligo Rovers. I was thinking, like, if I went to those teams, what do I want to achieve? Um, you know, what motivates me? Um, and it was the, the Iran thing, just going over to a different culture and kind of seeing it. Um, that's what motivated me. Um, and playing in front of, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Um, I wanted to just go over. And I honestly thought it was just going to be six months and that would be it. Um, but that kind of just... It just trickled on from, you know, there and a couple of years there and going over to Malaysia and, you know, and then obviously going over to, um, to America. So, I mean, I'm delighted that I've done that, you know. It's, and it's, it's such a great tale for <clears throat> like, like young, young lads and young, young women like coming through the things. Like, I know you had a rough time. I, I watched your interview with uh, Irish football fan TV and you were talking about your time at Leicester City and like, you know, a lot, a lot of guys would like, would probably have given up because like you know you've you're at the place you want to be the dream and then it kind of gets snatched away for you by like just a clash of personalities and the fact that there's so much more football out there as you said it's like such a great tale for people to 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 look yeah. at um like i was talking to like to, to lee clark he's played in the premier league uh, he coached birmingham city and now he's in uh i think he's in sedan i think managing yeah. and it's like sixty thousand people like come up to a game like like what was it like playing <laughs> like you know you're playing for Derry. like i mean the brandy well is a great stadium but with seven thousand people and then suddenly you're playing in front of ninety thousand. <laughs> what what was yeah. what was the what was the, the the change like for you i mean it was i guess uh, for me, it was like, it was just unbelievable. Like, I mean, I think, I think it, there's two ways you can go when you're playing in front of 90,000 people, you either kind of shrink up and go, hold on, what? Like, and just like kind of be afraid to get on the ball, let's say, uh, afraid to make a mistake. Um, I, I didn't, for whatever reason, and you never know how you're going to kind of, how your mind's going to work when you're, when you're in front of all those people. I always felt like, for, for me, I knew growing up that, the bigger game, the bigger the game, the bigger the crowd, the 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 better I played. I remember years ago, back in um, when I played for Drogheda United, um, Simon Webb and James Keddy, um, they used to say, "Eamon, if you could just be as motivated against the so-called weaker sides, I mean, you'd like you'd be easily top goal scorer because you always produce against the bigger sides." Um, and I don't know, I just always had that motivation. So. Um, so when I went over and played in front of 80, 90,000 people, I mean, I was buzzing. Like, I mean, I was like going out, going like, this is like a once in a lifetime. This is, this is unbelievable. Like, I mean, and like the, the feeling of, of, of scoring a goal in front of that crowd and, you know, just everybody just cheering and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that like, I mean, that's, that was the best feeling I've ever got in my life. Um, and I mean, it was, yeah, it just, 
I don't know. Like I never, when I, whenever I obviously during some of those games, obviously you miss chances and all that kind of stuff. I know it just never really affected me. Um, I don't know. I just, again, I just had this extra spring in my step and it was, it was funny. Like the, I remember the, the, the first game I played over in Iran and um, the, the Derby game and it was 86,000 people. And I remember looking around my dressing room and going on, like, the lads were so scared. Like you could see, like, I mean, it was such a big game and they were just, and here's me thinking like, oh, I can't wait to get on this pitch. Like I've nothing, <laughs> to, lose. Like, I've nothing to lose. Like, like, you know, I mean, and, and that's the way I played. It was just like, I had nothing to lose. And when you're kind of that loose, um, when you get those, especially as a, as a forward, you get those chances. Um, you know, uh, I always found like as a forward, the looser you were, the, the more chances you took. Because if you thought about it and it gets in your head um, and you think about the crowd and all that kind of stuff, you, like you snatch at a chance. You're not really composed. So, um, yeah, I loved it, honestly. It was unbelievable. Like that, like it was unbelievable. And again, it goes back to when I went over to, to, to Libya in 2010 and my very first time friendly game um, in Libya um, and I was in front of 60,000 people. And that's, and that's when I knew, I said, I, I, I want to, I have to continue playing. I have to like continue playing and traveling. Like is, this is just, you can't beat this. Like it's I, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, I I just love like 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 I watched the the goals back obviously like your 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 famous sort of hat trick but like just the the third goal like how composed you were like the that was like the second minute I think of uh, extra uh, stoppage time you'd uh, you'd you're back to the goal and you did the tw- like that you're just just makes it all clear to me what you were, like was going through your head you're just like I don't give a shit I'm on the high I'm on the <laughs> Nothing to lose, kind of attitude, um, and, and yeah, like it's just nothing to lose. And if I was, if I had thought about the crowd or anything like that, I can guarantee my touch would have been all over the place. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just yeah, I was just so loose, and I mean, I was buzzing. Like just, I was so happy to get an opportunity to play in front of that crowd. Um, and yeah, I always just felt the Lucy aware the better you played. Um, and that yeah, I guess that third goal kind of sums it up. And now you're a god in Iran, so you, <laughs> your, your, your picture's at the airport and everything like that. So, so, so I could literally talk to you all day about football, but I know you're a busy man. So uh, the, the last question I ask, everybody comes on the show, you're going to play a five-side tournament uh, from all the players you've played with. Who makes your team? Oh, five-side. Do they, do they have to be posi- any positions? You can. Some people don't even play a goalkeeper; they just play an extra defender. So, I mean, ah, oh, well, okay. okay. You, know, you you can include yourself if you want to, but you don't have to. If you want to be the the head coach, you're more than welcome to. So, yeah, whatever I'm, you want. Watch for fire. Um. All right. Okay. Let me think. Right. Um. Straight away. Um. Best player I ever played with was uh, an Iran legend, a guy called Ali Karimi. Um. Nice. Uh, a wizard with a ball. Ah, uh, I mean, absolute wizard with a ball. Um, so I would, he'd be number one on my team. Um, I think, and some people might be like, really? Um, I think I would probably add, when I was playing over in Malaysia, we played a, a 4-4-1-1. I was the highest one, and right behind me was El Hajjuf. Um, and he was, yeah, like off the pitch, he was an absolute messer. I mean, honestly, like he was, geez, the stories I have about him off the pitch. But <laughs> on the pitch... Like physically, he was, you know, he wasn't going to chase Anton, but give him the ball. I mean, like, I like some of, I think I got 11 goals that year. He must have set me up for about eight. But if you watch the assists, I mean, I just make a run and he's like pinpoint on my foot. Um, yeah, he was, and I, I can only imagine what he was like in his prime. Like, if he wasn't such a messer off the pitch, I'd say he would have went even further than, than he went, you know? Um, so Ali Kareem, El has Juff. Are, are definitely in the in the top two um of that five aside right not bad start that is it <laughs> that, was, that was the easy part that was the easy part okay let me think let me think oh well I mean just I'm gonna put in you know you need somebody on the team that's just gonna get around the pitch work um and has ability as well don't get me wrong has ability but I mean I'd say they would just be nasty in a five aside and they'd be all over the pitch, non-stop, 100 miles an hour, James McLean. I'm going I'm to put him in. He was, he was great. Loved playing with him in Derry. Um, but the one thing that stood out was his work ethic. I mean, he used to like jog up and down from training, um, you know, and he'd lift 
like two miles up a, up a hill. Um, you know, he was just a workhorse. And uh, he's a great example for youngsters, right? Honestly, for young kids coming through, what an example of, like he had ability, but did he have Premier League ability? I don't know. Nobody was sure, but he absolutely worked his balls off. Like, honestly, and you see it with the Irish team, like whatever about, you know, sometimes people have things to say about um, the quality or whatever the case is. It gives 100%. You know, yeah, I mean, you, like, cannot, you just cannot fault his effort. You see it like in the, in the off season when he's doing he's boxing and stuff like that, and like man, he's oh. like he's training like a like a like a fighter. Like I mean, I I know he did like the, the yeah. thing Mayweather's dad and all that kind of stuff, but like the, you see the effort he puts in even to that man. It's like he's he he, he gives a shit about what he's doing. So no, he does workhorse and he a winner. Honestly, you'd want him on your team, any team. Um, so all right, that's three. Um. Let me think. Let me think. Um, so many. Um, <laughs> there's so many. I'm trying to think. I have somebody from my, I mean, I could name a few. I have someone from my Iran days, someone from Asia. Um, I think I would, yeah. I'd put Keith Fahey in there. Um, nice. Yeah, he was a talent. Um he was a talent. Got to briefly play with him in Drogheda, but then underage and the under. Hold on, can I include like international players as well that I played with? Of course. I like I. Uh, I was actually like I was looking at Iran. You played at the 2003 uh, FIFA. Yeah. You Jesus, like it's Stephen Elliott, like the, the team. Yeah. yeah, some great players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll put, put Keith Fahey there because he was he was great. He was a great player. Um, again, he was just you know he could do great things with the ball from, from midfield. Um, you know, and he could score a goal. I mean, he had some wonder goals for Pats. Remember the year before he went to, to England? Um, I mean, and you know what? I get years ago, years, years, my very first trial when I was 16 years of age was over to Arsenal. Um, and it was my very first trial. And I was, uh, there was a, Arsenal were playing Fiorentina in Wembley Stadium. And because Keith Fahey was Irish, uh, and I was obviously Irish. He had already signed there. They asked him to look after me and take me to the game. And I'll never forget, I was always thankful for him to do for doing that. I didn't know him. He didn't, he didn't have to. But um, that was my first time I met him. Um, yeah, and my very first trial. And he looked after me, to be fair to him. Um, wow. So, yeah, no, he was, yeah, excellent. Um, so what, we have four players there. I mean, I feel like I need, like, an offensive player. Um Let me think. Who would I have in the fence? Who would I have in the fence? Um, do you know what? I'll, I'll stick uh, um, that under twenty World Cup um, team with Ireland. I mean, there was numerous players went on to play for the national team. Um, one guy who actually has gone on to be a really good coach, actually for for Crystal Palace, um, Paddy McCarthy. Um, yeah. I used to have battles with him when I was 13, 14 years of age. He played for Stella Morris and I played for St. Joseph's. Um, and I used to have major battles with him and then um, hated him. Hated playing against him. <laughs> Honestly, hated playing against him. But then got to play, um, play with him for the Irish team. And yeah, he, he just had that presence. He was big, tall, um, and good, good knowledge of the game. I'll be, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure, I remember, how far he could go. But he went down and had a very good career, to be fair. Um, and he's, he's apparently he's a very very good coach. I think the Crystal Palace in the twenty three team. So love it. Um, so yeah. So can you just do a wee recap for me there of uh, who you've picked? So right, we have we have uh, we have a defender. We finally found a defender. <laughs> right, we have Paddy McCarthy. We have um, James McLean, Keith Fahey, El Hazjuf, El Hazjuf, and we have uh, we'll have Ali Creamy as the captain, and I will have um, I'll, do you know what? I'll have Stephen Kenny as coach. Best manager I ever played with. Nice. Yeah, I love Stephen Kenny managing it. Love it, man. Love it. So I really appreciate you giving me so much time, man. It's been great talking to you. Um, I said I could probably talk to you for the next 10 hours. You're like, you're had an incredible career and you've got like such a great uh, way of looking at the game. So um, I can't wait to see what 2022 brings, man. Um, I'll definitely be, uh, I'll definitely be a, a fan of the Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Uh, That's great. Yeah. Good yeah. man. So yeah, so uh, I look forward to see all the updates on on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Where can people find you on uh, social media to keep track of what's happening with the club? Obviously, my page, Eamon's I12, 
I think it's Eamon underscore, Eamon Zide underscore 12 on Instagram, uh, Eamon Zide on Twitter, but then Hailstorm FC on both Twitter and Instagram. I don't know the exact URL, but Hailstorm uh, FC, Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC, you'll find them on social media. Come and support us. Yeah. Um, no, I'm excited. We're going to build something really, really good here now. I, 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 can't, I can't wait to watch the journey and uh, I'll put the, the links to the uh, social media stuff in the, the description. Uh, yeah. So yeah, man, thanks a million. Um, You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.